Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Movement, breath, energy, and life. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Have you ever had a deep experience with a profound teacher? On this outstanding episode, we hear of the personal journey one acclaimed model turned yogi took to find her depth of devotion. Today, we have the privilege of diving deep into the details of Rainbow Mars's path of discovery as she reveals the way of the divine white tantra lineage. Rainbow Mars lights the path to how she found her first guru, Chuck Miller. Tap into the truth of loving fully from the heart and channeling that energy into your art as Rainbow highlights three tips to deepening your practice and finding your guru. Listen as Rainbow Mars paints a picture of finding her voice to truly inspire as we turn up the volume and love to raise the vibe higher on this empowering episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Rainbow Mars. Namaste, yogis. This is an absolutely beautiful day to be listening and conversing with the amazing Rainbow Mars. Thank you so much, Rainbow, for being here on the Yoga Revealed podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Yay! So for our listeners who may not know you, can you give me an idea of what your passion is and what you bring to the world? Hmm. I am passionate about us remembering to follow our hearts and to awaken so that we can awaken others and to be conscious enough to walk in reverence and humility on this incredible Mother Earth that has provided so much for us and that as we continue to yoke and integrate, we become even more able to just remember all of our abilities like working with the rain and the lightning etc etc to awaken awesome so i first asked how did you find yoga how did i find yoga well i mean i was lucky my mom is an herbalist and she used to practice yoga with me every day while she was pregnant so you grew up in a yoga lineage. In a a little bit. She was, you know, she was a hippie. So they did. They practiced a little more mind expansion than they did yoga. However, my godmother is an Ayurvedic doctor, and I lived with her at fifteen in Hawaii. And Ayurveda is the sister science of of yoga. And so I went to live with her on Molokai, a very 
you know, I was one of the minorities on this island and I, I learned um, people would come to us to heal. People would live with us for several months about who had tumors or degenerative diseases and they would heal through Ayurveda, herbs and, and yoga. And I didn't know I would be a yoga teacher at the time or anything like that, but I would come home from cheerleading practice and, you know, upset that so-and-so had said something about me and my godmother would say, you know, if you don't like something about them, it's something you don't like about yourself. So I was learning yoga 101. And then years later, uh, starting yoga for the physical benefits of it, I was modeling and acting. Uh, Woody Harrelson did yoga in a, in a lot. He taught yoga while we were on the set of The People versus Larry Flint. And I was, I was blown away at the consciousness in which this entire set was eating really beautiful food. And he was eating a lot of live foods. And I realized, you know, instead of, I mean, anybody has an incredible potential to affect the people around him, but it was affecting a lot of people. And so when the Harrelson brothers had me move to LA or come visit them, I, they brought me to a yoga class. I think it was supposed to be Steve Ross, but it was um, someone else. Great, Max, Max something. <laughs> I'm having a block of his name. But later, I'll just say that I quit acting and modeling. I mean, at first I used it to ground myself in the midst of the chaos that I was consistently experiencing. And then I had a, a revelation period where, you know, there's these layers that you find it, but this layer was that nothing was more important than me remembering my heart and that I had to live in my body for not just tomorrow, not just the next audition, but like for the next 30 years. And I, I asked to sweep floors at Yoga Works and I folded blankets and I cleaned and I felt so good to get that karma yoga. And then another significant moment was Chuck said, Chuck Miller, the founder of Yoga Works, and my mentor said, what, are you, what is Rainbow here to do? And I remember standing there with my overalls and a broom in my hand and some wounds that I was healing through yoga. And I said, I'm, I'm here to learn to love myself enough so I can teach others. So that's been my practice. Mm. So you practiced with um, Chuck Miller early on. And for those who are not familiar with the landscape of the yoga um, community back then, can you give us a little insight on, say, like what a day to day was with you practicing with Chuck back in the day when Yoga Works was just one studio? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, well, Chuck was always a rare, he looked, you know, like if you open a sadhu book and you see the guys with the beards that would be living in the cave, Chuck just looked like that, didn't really, wasn't trying to fit in or anything. But man, he was magical. I remember he was the one who said, I was, you know, touching upon other people's classes, Sean Korn and Shiva Ray, and he was like, you don't have to have a perfect practice before you come to me. And I didn't know why he said that. He kind of pulled me in. And so I started, the first time I ever did Ashtanga was a lead class, and he's, they're leading um, you through all the postures, which I felt like was going to church for me. And little by little, I don't know, he just, he got me right away. So the only time he taught was 6.30 in the morning. So I would show up at 6.30 in the morning and he's always, was always there before 6.30 in the morning. They drank coffee and they would be, he would be talking his uh, philosophy. And then we would go in there and practice, you know, practice for a series, which was like a private with him and 
some other master teachers, you know, Brent Kessel, who does the money of yoga. I mean, there's so many of us, Lauren Peterson, there were so many people in that room. And I just would look around and think, this is like Cirque du Soleil, like never in my lifetime did I think I could do a handstand or, um, you know, some of these backbends that people in there were doing. I had a lot of baggage, a lot that I was hiding. I would actually go into other yoga classes and have like a, a hoodie and, you know, sweatpants and just kind of try to hide out in a room, but you can't hide out when you're in an Ashtanga Mysore room. And I cried a lot. I cried a couple times a day in the beginning, but he would sit there after practice from 9 to 10, 30, sometimes to lunch and just talk. He would know everything about what was going on in your life. Well, in India, I, I, I'm aware that they used to practice individually what someone needed to awaken, what someone needed to heal. And uh, when I really like go back to the jewel of what that was in my life to uh, practice with Chuck, it was, it was you know, incredibly humbling to just have him come over during whatever asana, you know, and to just always break it down. Okay, stop everything, let it go. What is the root of this pose? What is the origin of this pose? It could be what's on the ground, but actually the origin is the breath. He, you know, stop the agenda, stop the goal, the, the needing to get anywhere. And then linking a breath to movement and find, using it to awaken ourselves from the inside. Sometimes I would cry in practice and he'd be like, okay, there's a time for that, but let keep, keep coming back to the breath. Imagine happy Buddha in your heart. Mm-hmm. And little by little, at one point, I, I have to say, I remember this funny moment where Brent Kessel was assisting Chuck and he um, was whispering to Chuck, how did Rainbow come from being like the worst person in the class to the best? I don't know why he said that. And it's not like I was the best, but you know, I could all of a sudden was very open and I remember Chuck just saying, like, she's the rainbow child. But I, what it was actually was yoga, like the original limbs, you know, the yamas, the niyamas, the, the pranayamas, the asanas. We start with asana and we start with finding out. It's, Chuck would say it's a, it's a tool for observation. So you're able to see what we're thinking, what we're eating, what we're drinking, how much we slept. Any, how the emotions of the day before affected us. So I started with the asanas uh, and little by little, you know, shifted things in my diet. I think I, I started eating all live vegetarian food at one point, which really opened me up, definitely. I think the emotional work, flower essences, and just, again, my intention was how can I heal? How can I, I had come from some trauma and abuse but anyway it just started to heal me and expand into those different layers not he would always use the limbs like rule number one ahim you know ahisma we're not allowed to hurt ourselves or others like always tell someone when it's enough and breathe there never let them take you too far satya truth you know the floor is straight don't go beyond the floor he was just always a real purist and wanting it to be simple it's not always easy, but simple. And to go with those, just going back to the the original, pure essence of the limbs. Mm. And, <laughs> and so much more. In yeah. practicing with someone like Chuck, do you feel that your path was guided to be able to share at a higher level? Or do you, do you see like that sense of 
studentship to be something that was very valued and has helped you transform into the person you are today? I mean, I feel so blessed and so lucky to have been able to study with an incredible teacher. Now I can see this, yes, to answer your question. At the time, you assumed that there were many studios like this all over the world, you know, all over the country and the world, and there were many Chucks. I just was, you know, a young girl. I think I was 19 at this at this time, and so I was lucky to just have this, and Chuck and Mati were my mentors, and I was the only one. I didn't take a teacher training because I wanted to teach. I was the only one, actually, who didn't raise my hand about teaching, and I wanted to know in depth. I, I was finding so much of myself and my heart and my being through the practice, and... I just wanted to investigate deeper, but then I finished, you know, the program, like you're supposed to assist these teachers. So I assisted Mati, I assisted Chuck, I assisted, you know, Sean Korn and Julie Kleinman, just to, just to keep learning, just to keep serving. And now I can see, you know, looking back, I feel incredibly privileged that at that, I was at the, that time, the right place at the right time, I guess, because it's been harder for me now to find someone that really makes me want to get out of bed and practice because the original yoga is to awaken us and to help us become enlightened. And um, I find some great teachers out there, but that was a rare, that was a rare time that I had. And yes, so when I do teach, despite the fact that I wasn't seeking to be a teacher, but I have been called out to teach the first Thing I ever did was videos and those sell, sold many you know millions a couple million around the world and um, you know became the face of Adidas and would teach 3,500 people in a room it was always it's not like I chose that so but now looking back and and who I even really advanced um, teachers that I'll meet I can sometimes not judge, but we'll just see, like, for instance, they're, the way they're adjusting or the way that they're coming about. And there was something that Chuck gave us this, this because apprenticing with him and the way that he taught us how to see a body and to help, for instance, spread the energy throughout more and more of the body. First to do it with your mind, then maybe a word, then your hands. You know, there was just a, these layers that were incredibly sophisticated. And it was like, he was like this cat in the room. And so many philosophy points like he would say you know we're, we only get enlightened until we all do look at the look at the weak link in the room or expand you know help people expand their consciousness and i would say but what if they don't want me to teach them you know adjust them and he would say well they're here so in some way they do or look to the weak link the, it, there were so many little jewels so to not share that when i'm teaching it feels like the highest most profound aspects of me coming through and I'm able to teach that and and help even teachers like bring refine their own abilities to adjust and it's it's really humbling to carry that but yeah like I feel I feel like I was privileged I feel grateful and I feel that it's part of my practice now and who am I not to share the love and the the value and the golden light that that was, the gift that it has been into my heart, who would I not be to not pass that on? Mm. And today, um, I know that you're very involved in um, like Tantra and some of the lineage of what I would call some of the mindfulness that is in today's society, kind of like 
looked down upon mm. or, or maybe even like put into like a shadow space of like people don't really talk about it that often. Mm. Um, can you give us a little insight as to what Tantra is to you and how do you feel it's beneficial to today's society and mm. learning, especially in the yoga community? It's a great question, Andrew. I There's three different types of Tantra. And Tantra means to weave together, to yoke, to bind, and it's the weaving of one's life together. So in a sense, some yogis will say Tantra is the weaving of all things. It's seeing God within everything. Um, that said, you know, you can, I'm a product of the 60s. I'm a product of, I grew up, you know, I was born in a teepee under a double rainbow. So I, I was raised with my parents very much like a lot being exposed to I think the free love movement so I have my own things I'm working through in that um, but I have seen a lot of people like me have to work through a lot of wounds from the free love movement so for me I'm a, I, there's well let me just not even say personally what I practice but say that black tantra is where we will use chanting God um, the name of God or yogic to sort of unify with everything but in uh, there's a lot of like you'll go to places and you'll be sleeping with several people or you'll be making love to your partner and you'll see multiple people in front of um in front of you that's sort of that's you know and it does probably give you certain superpowers and certain capabilities but that would be considered that lineage and then great tantra is when there's a, a couple a, a ceremony you're with one person but there might be practices where instead of using your sexual energy to awaken your kundalini, you might be losing it, you might be releasing it, which is the vital essence that can be used to support the kidneys, the every vertebrae. You know, in yoga we talk about the shishumna that is that it means the ray of light that is in the center of the spinal column. And the shishumna can eventually saturate the brain and we can come to have more than 3% of consciousness in our brain. So in Grey Tantra, you might be with one person, but you might also find yourself thinking about cheating or um, feeling like you're getting old with that person and wanting to break up, or, or maybe you stay together, but it's just not optimal. And then in White Tantra, you're with one person. That's like the key. It's like, you know, yeah, you're, 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 you keep, keep coming back to the temple of your sacred sexuality and it's like bedroom yoga but it's like you're using the sexual the sexual practice to awaken yourself not even so much them but you're coming together and you're doing practices like sublimation which means that rather than releasing the sexual energy you're using it to draw it up the spine and to awaken the kundalini so in in a sense to um it's just the direction is up. The direction is up. The direction is to be used to awaken not just the spine, but every vertebrae is a, is a temple. And if you can use that, you see that in the, I don't know that science, that sacred science mm -hmm. symbol. What is that called? That so when the two snakes are wrapped around yeah. the central column, um, I think it's just the Ida and the Pingala. Yeah. And uh, the center column, which is the Shishumna, but it's also in the symbol for medicine. Yeah, So if you exactly. look at any medical books or you look at any, um, you know, old school science books, they have that symbol. And I think that it's just like the profound understanding of what would be like ancient Egyptian knowledge mm -hmm. um, that has been shared through the Vedas, that mm -hmm. has been shared through um, a number of different mm -hmm. teachings in 
yoga, but now also yeah. re-enlightened um, through the practice of Tantra. Yeah, and we it's, a, it's an art that we're not always talking about it, definitely like you said, but if you go to ancient Egypt, which I recently did, the, not just the medicine symbol is there, but the ankh is a good symbol for us to look at. They say that the ankh means everlasting life or the, the hook, and you'll see pictures of the gods with the kings and queens, and they're teaching with the ankh and the, and the, the hook. And it's basically the direction is up. Use that sexual energy to plant it into your heart. And through that, you'll find that you're able to go, keep going up, keep awakening, instead of spending so much energy in, I don't know, who my next husband or wife or girlfriend or There's just a lot of drama and suffering that is caused in our, um, you know, downward energy. There's certain superpowers. We can open certain doors downward, but and you can also invert your kundalini but not up. So anyway, it's just, it's a distinction of what is your intention and what, you know, in this moment, why we are in our bodies, which, which direction do you want to go? And for me, I'm, I'm really interested in not continuously falling and hoping to awaken myself, which means to, it means brahmacharya as well, restraint of the sexual energy and to draw it up and in and give it up to my own, to give it up for, Awakening. Mm. In the sense of awakening, do you feel that our yoga culture today needs more education about sexual healing and sexuality in general? Yeah, because I was a you know I was a I was a teacher before I started studying this, and so was my godmother, and so was my mother, and. There's a lot of karmas and wounds and healing that I've had to do based on my practices that I wasn't even aware was hurting my subtle bodies and keeping me away from things like astral travel and, and really taking the next step. So, you know, and so we're all at different places of this journey at, at any given time. I didn't know of the option of white tantra. I I heard of these other practices and we all, you know, sexuality is such an interesting subject for all of us. So I knew, for instance, that, you know, if you, if, you know, the male retains their sexual energy, they want to make love more often. So that was like a key I had in some other relationships. But I also found through self-discovery that I had developed aspects within myself, like an inverted kundalini, like a tail, like an energetic tail. And scales and as wild as that might seem it would have been amazing to learn and to be educated about sacred sexuality as an option younger because we are sexual beings i think that the path of sexuality is actually a path for our enlightenment and to know that you can use it and create karma and distortions and disease and everything from kidney infections to bladder infections to wrinkles with one way of practice, you know, and so on and so on, or use sexual energy to literally fill, revitalize, and um, just, it's like the best beauty secret that there is. So I'm glad I finally found it, and it would have been wonderful if it was more talked about. And I don't think a lot of people, we're not talking about it because I don't know how many people are really practicing it. So, but it's a button pusher. I'm very quiet about this topic because it seems to kind of keep people away from like, oh, but I won't be able to, you know, like the ego is like, I, then I won't be able to do all of these things in the way that I could do it, which I, I can 
relate to. You know, when I first started studying this, I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to have my own version of this. And I watched my pride fall in ways that I had um, never fallen and actually really blocked my career for a moment. Like I would, you know, like, so anyway, when we think that our karma, we think that our actions are not having a reaction, they are. When we think that the things that we're doing in the privacy of our own home are not affecting the abundance and reality of our life, they are. And I would just, and to close that subject up, that, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is actually an option. And to watch the the fruit of what I experience now is a gained connection that no one can take from me. Wherever I am, I have an inner guidance system that is so much more valuable than anything I could get, you know, out there in the world. And that's, you know, I used to go through, even at a high level of yoga, I used to kind of go on a roller coaster of emotions. Still, I'm an emotional person, like I'm an actress, so I, I have sensitivities, but I am so much more stable, I can't even tell you. I don't get depressed anymore. Um, and I'll, so much of this is because of the sacred sexuality and, so, and using that energy and feeding my soul and spirit with it. I guess I got personal, I said I wasn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a very, you know, direct conversation. And I feel that when we have these conversations, like the only way that it is, is to get personal because mm. we are human beings. And the more that we can truly be vulnerable in our experience, the more that we can learn from one another. Um, I really like to, to bring it back to um, how you feel that sexuality will help heal the world because just as much as it's it's important for us to understand our own sexuality and how we can heal ourselves and thus have greater relationships with others how can we take that relationship with ourselves and with others and then expand it to the world Okay, well, I want to start with saying, and, and some of my trepidation in this, in this conversation is those of you that are listening, like, um, yeah, please don't judge because it's, it's, this is the most, some of this stuff, I'm just, I'm giving like little seeds, but this is some of the most sacred knowledge that exists in our universe. And, and one of my teachers says, don't give pearls to swine. And so you want to be really careful with you know, something that could be used to heal, like truly heal our subtle bodies and heal humanity and like you, and even heal the world is also, you know, because we live in a time of samasara and there's light and dark, the dark also wants to use this same energy to really keep us, keep us from becoming awake. So all you have to do is turn on the news, look at any billboard, look at any magazine and see the power of sexuality. Um, you know, there was a Gnostic practice, there's a Gnos there's a, the church of Gnosis, there were beings that sublimated their sexual energy. These beings were some of the great masters. Mozart, if you watch any of his work, not like the movie, I, I've worked with Milos Forman, but this, the actual Mozart movie isn't a great depiction of who he was as a master. And you, you can go to his operas, for instance, and see that he talks about solar initiates. And so solar initiates, there's actually an opera called The Magic Flute. And it talks about, you know, there's the guy that is like, I want to drink the wine and eat the chicken and have sex with all the ladies, you know, and he's like one aspect of our psyche. And that's, a, that's within us. All of these, the Buddhists say we have 84,000 egos or negative attributes of our psyche. So all of that is within us. You have compassion for all of it. You know, anything I see outside, 
is me. But there is another part of us, there is the divine gene, there is the part of us that can choose to refine and by you know these two solar initiates and the magic flute, they choose, they go through the initiation and they choose each other and they go up to like a higher level of consciousness. So if we can, you know, you see the power of sexual energy, if we could use that for our awakening rather than for our instant gratification to feed lust, to f which also ends up feeding anger, which ends up feeding jealousy, which ends up feeding pride, which ends up feeding gluttony. You know how we all feel after a particular sexual practice, how much we eat and smoke. And so what is the root of the destruction and the suffering individually that is happening on our planet? If there was one thing that we could do, it would be to learn how to 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 use that sexual that sacred sexuality a story would be there are temples on this planet and we used to go to these temples with the one we loved and practice in the temples for awakening for enlightenment and then there were beings on this planet or however it came to be that said oh no you don't need to go to the temples you can practice like this at home whenever you want and you'll get certain superpowers and we did, and you got certain superpowers. We gained certain capabilities, we felt really great, but then you go back to the temples and you're no longer welcome. So it opens certain doors, but it closes certain other ones. So the suffering on the planet, in that sense, is most connected to the first, the first ego of that would be pride, because we decided to do it however we wanted to create our own um, version of a false paradise. But then the second biggest uh, ego in here would be lust, and lust, if we can learn how to dissolve lust and turn it into ch scientific chastity. I mean, gosh, when I was taking my teacher training, I just have to say I did a report on brahmacharya. And, you know, you just want to be like, well, brahmacharya just means you don't sleep with everyone. You know, like, like our version of that and how we'll twist it to make it suit our own desires. I mean... Even recently, I was with my teacher and I was like, I feel like if I didn't have lust, I would have no career and I wouldn't be desirable anymore. And I would just offer that we'll be working on these things until the day that we die, probably. And so it doesn't, God willing, we become more pure by dissolving these, the vulgar aspects of us in, with, the, with the help of the Divine Mother um, and also the help of the actual practices you can sort of dissolve them in the temples of water and fire the mother. So what he said was the beauty that you have from the divine mother from mother earth is, is gracious, but the beauty that you have from the ego of lust, it deforms and it dements. And what will happen is you might find your beauty is radiant right now. And you know, it, it's there till a certain age, but then you wonder why people get really like age really quickly or their hair falls out or the, that is the ego. And so any of them, it's not like, um, you know, there, uh, gluttony is something we work with, I think, a lot in Yoga 101 out there, but I don't think we're working, we're like, no, but I'll keep my lust. So just anything that is the seven deadly sins, you know, look at Dante's Inferno. Within the seven deadly sins, there's also, so it's with, within lust, there's also the pedophile ego, there's the adulterer ego, there's the, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of energies in there that we, um, if we're going to be yogis and awaken, we would want to refine and look at 
the, the, in India, they call it the six enemies. So it's a little bit different, but it's still similar. And we would want to say, well, I'll give now one more parallel that just pretend the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna on the battlefield, he's looking at all of his brothers and aunts and fathers, and that's representative of that that's in us, the egos. And so he's like, I can't kill those people. I love those people. Like we love our lust and we love our pride and we love our anger and we love our greed and we love our jealousy. Um, but going back to lust, to say I get a little excited on this subject, <laughs> would be Krishna says to Arjuna, like you have to stand up and you have to fight and you have to do it in my name. So with the heart of your being, with your kind of eye on the goal to awaken and to have this illumination that's possible, you would fight against, we, we will fight against these that are distracting us from our true potential. So for our listeners who want to learn more about, you know, how to tap into their sacred union of self and others, like, where should they go? Is there a teaching? Is there a teacher? Yeah, well, I'm not a tantric teacher. I'm a student, you know, I, but I am, a, I am a teacher as well. And I've created a system that is, you know, unique. I feel, you know, I, my name is Rainbow. I was born under a double, a double rainbow, as I already mentioned. And so I always saw things. I always saw people's chakras. And that was something very, very real to me. And, you know, the, if chakras can be defined as wheels, but also discs and recording device of things that have happened in our lives. So I also, so anyway... Rayoka means Ra, like the Egyptian sun god, and yoke to integrate, so integration through the sun. But take all that away and just say, I've created a way to teach yoga where I don't want followers, I want leaders, and I want to be able to plant a download to help anyone sort of recalibrate their inner rainbow-bodied bridge within them in, in whatever practice you're doing. So maybe you do Ashtanga or Iyengar. I am, it's not that I've tried to recreate any of that. I very much am a student of you know, all of those forms of yoga and bhakti. However, somehow it has been downloaded through me that um, I have a, a system or a way to connect with each of the elementals. So in Kauai, for instance, we have a retreat coming up July 23rd to the 30th. And we will do level red where we work on foundation and alignment. And then we will also do adjustments for all those postures. We also eat for those things, like to eat to ground. And then for level orange, we do detoxification, hips. That's where sacred sexuality comes in. And we teach sublimation. And uh, the, you know, the element is water, so we might visit the queen's bath. By the way, with Earth, we have David Wolf and Brigitte Mars, two bought like superfood herbalists that we will be on the garden and on the, the superfood noni land with level yellow is core power so we work on a very fiery practice and awakening from the inside in all directions and then we do a puja that day level level green is shoulders and back bends and optional all of these but we go zip lining that day and again alignments and adjustments for all of these all levels are welcome level blue is therapeutics level indigo is inversions and level purple is meditation again you know there's an adventure for each one there's alignment for each one we are staying in a beautiful Indian mansion in a beautiful, I said beautiful a couple of times, but in this incredible jungle in Hawaii that used to be the king and queen's estate, wild peacocks come onto the land. And it's just, 
just being there alone is very healing and rejuvenative, but to do the practice from the inside out is is such a gift for myself even to be able to have this be part of my practice, but I've watched people get into some incredible shifts in such a short amount of time. It's also Yoga Alliance certified and through that course, we have an RML certification of completion, RML's Rainbow Mars Lifestyles, and I have a board of you know Ayurvedic and, and medical doctors on that. But we, it's not a full 200 hours because if we did that, you guys wouldn't be able to experience the island, and I want that to happen. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I teach and lead. My service is not only in the arts, but in serving uh, our awakening, and that's part of my practice. So this is one time where I can go 100% deep with and just dive in to the potential that these practices can help us awaken to. So I really invite you to join us. And there's room and it is... Well, the final thing I would just say is that I, um, you know, I, I got to... I practiced second series Ashtanga for years and can do a lot of those fancy poses, at least when I was practicing. I'm a little rusty to some of them, but they're still there in me. Mm-hmm. But what I found is it's not about getting to the pose or achieving the pose or working from the outside in. When you draw in towards your center and you recalibrate what's in those poses are just there. And food is also part of that, and we also share that. But what we go in to go out... We go down to go up and we go back to go forward. And this is how we move towards our own more awakened version of ourselves and a more enlightened humanity. Mm. Thank you for that. That was absolutely wonderful. Um, For our listeners who are listening, can you give them one golden nugget of advice to help them on their path of awakening and yoga? One golden nugget? Just one. Breathe. If we're not breathing, we're not living. So breathe and to keep breathing into whatever it is. Notice where you stop breathing when you're up against different aspects of the psychological gymnasium and just continue to breathe. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you. Are we going to reveal podcast listeners are better for your absolutely wonderful grace. And thank you for gracing us with your presence today. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into the Yoga Revealed podcast. You can learn more about Rainbow Mars and her upcoming retreats and trainings at her site, rainbowmarslifestyles.com. Yoga Revealers, we truly appreciate your support. Share this episode with a friend and leave us a five-star review if you truly appreciate the work that we do. Every five-star rating helps us bring this podcast to more yogis just like you. Continue to share the inspiration. Until next time, yogis, live light, shine bright. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.